Hey folks, it's Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to a new episode of Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! All right, crowdfunders, how is everybody doing out there in the uh, special place of crowdfunding, you know, a place that's very special to my heart, you know, a place where you can find money on the internet and uh, get your dreams to come true. So I am your host, Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel, CEO of Woodshed Agency, and this is our podcast. It is called Successfully Funded. And what we do here is we talk to project creators while they're in the middle of a successful campaign or their campaign's just finished up or they're like a serial Kickstarter, which is what is what today's episode is all about. So I got to tell you, you got to stay tuned because today's episode, we're going to be talking to uh, Brian Pulido, and he's the founder and publisher of Coffin Comics. And if you're not familiar with Coffin Comics, go do a Google search right now and jump in. They have, they're, they're almost like an, in, I guess they're, they'd be described as like an independent um, comic label, um, I guess is how I might describe them. Um, and they focus on graphic novels, but Brian, they use Kickstarter to literally fund their company. Um, and we get way, way, way into the weeds around how they do this, how they put out a, a new comic, um, you know, every quarter how it all ties together, how they use their data. I mean, seriously, guys, if you're thinking about how you're going to launch products, and I know we're in comic books, but if you, you know, you just, you know, maybe you're not a comic book fan or you don't know a lot about it, but this conversation, we're going to get way into the weeds of, um, of how to do it. You know, and I think Brian, I think 20 campaigns, something along those lines. Um, so, you know, these guys, these guys are just kicking butt. It's that simple. So, that conversation is coming up in just a minute here. Um, so what else is going on? Well, man, I think the world is kind of opening back up a little bit, you know? Starting to have these little inklings of, hey, we should have a play date, which would be awesome for my kids. They need to see some other people here. They need to see some other their friends again. They need to go and play and hang out, run around, get dirty, do all that sort of stuff. So how is everybody else feeling right now about that? I mean, is anybody else... You know, I mean, we're all a little, I think we're all nervous, right? We're all kind of tiptoeing just a little bit, but feeling pretty good. You know, like, let's say uh, we have a play date this weekend. I, I don't think that that's ridiculous. You know, I mean, here in Michigan, we can have groups up to 100 now, and some of the restrictions are starting to lighten up, which, you know, I'm still taking, you know, I'm still baby stepping it. I'm still tiptoeing. I don't think I'm uh, going out there and having a big old, uh, hey, let's all cough at, uh, cough at each other type of thing. And I think you still got to be smart about, hey, if you're not feeling good, please tell me so we don't have the play date, that type of stuff. Um, but I think it's on the horizon. Yeah, I do. I think we're getting close to it. Um, other things happening. Well, we're th- we think we found our vacation spot this year. I think we're going to go to Potsdam, New York. If you're not familiar with that, it's way up, up, up state New York. Um, it's, uh, I think it's about maybe like 20 or 30 minutes from Quebec maybe a couple hours from Montreal, something like that, a couple hours from Albany. And why are we looking at, at that location to go vacation? Well, did I say location to vacation? Look at that little rhyming in there. I'm like a beastie boy here. Um, so the reason we're going to go there is it's it's on a list of a place to potentially move. I'm not going to lie. Um, it, it's got a place called Clarkson University, which I'm familiar with. I, uh, Sean and I have gone there, and uh, we've got a friend that teaches there. He's a professor, uh, Jason. Shout out to Jason if you're out there. 
Um, but it's an interesting community, very educated, uh, small town still. It's close to major cities. It's still c- close to the border. It's, you know, how awesome would it be to go to Quebec or Montreal? You know, we, you know, Toronto's four hours away, I guess. It's a little far. But, man, you got these other major cities. I think that would be awesome to experience with my kids. Um, the houses are, you know, gigantic and cheap, consider, uh, the complete opposite of what's going on in my neighborhood right now. So it's an interesting location. Not going to lie. So we're, we got a couple campaigns to get ready to launch. So we're going to get those through those. And then I think, uh, I think the ones was going to take their week out and, um, or a week and a half, whatever it is. And it doesn't, I guess it doesn't really matter anymore. Just take some days and we're going to go check out that, that area. We're going to stay, we're going to do the downtown. Hopefully restaurants are open so we can at least try it out, you know, see what, see what the vibes like, the energy, research some school districts and stuff. So yeah, Potsdam, New York. And our goal is that, man, if we found something like big enough with like a cool like barn or out, you know, like our friends from here could come and like stay for a week and vacation with us. And it is close to some water. So like it could be interesting. Not going to lie. So do some Google searching if you're not familiar with it. And uh, let me know what you think, because I think it would be an interesting location. Um, Man, I'll tell you, here's one thing too about yesterday. Yeah, yesterday, I just can't work from home. It's not going to work. Um, I have like r- rinsed and repeated all of the issues I had prior to working from home, which is why I, I went and got an office with, you know, buddy Dwayne and uh, got an office downtown Farmington because, um, yeah, I can't, I can't do it. Be- and yesterday was a prime example where like my mom was supposed to be here at 9.30. My call started at 10. She doesn't show up. So I know she's going to walk in right at 10 o'clock, right when my calls start, where that's going to be, and I'm right by the door, so that's going to be chaotic. Then from there, I know that, um, you know, the kids have to do some stuff. I'm talking out loud. I'm, I'm trying to do screen shares. I, I've got, you know, behind me in, in, in my home office, I've got a dryer and all that stuff. So it's like a utility closet right behind me. So you hear all that stuff. So I, I decide yesterday, I'm like, I'll, I'll go outside. I'll go outside and have these calls. I sit down and what do you think happens? <laughs> starting up, I mean, we're talking like right away, starting up mowing. I got weed eating going on behind me. Then the air conditioner kicks in and I'm just, I'm like, oh my God. You know, I'm trying to focus. So I have multiple conversations outside. Then I start, you know, it's hot. You know, it's kind of hot. I'm out sweating a little bit. I'm in the sun. I'm under an umbrella, but it's not doing enough. <sighs> then, I, you know, I got my, my laptop out there. That starts running out of batteries. Then I got to come back in. Then my Bluetooth keyboard doesn't sync automatically anymore. I don't know why. It just stopped doing that. So I have to re, re, like reconnect it, which means I, that takes a minute. Ugh. And then you know, my monitor's got to kick up. It's just absolutely chaos. And I was like, and this is all why I, I've already been through this. I've already done this. <sighs> yeah, it's frustrating. I know. I know. Everybody's frustrated. You guys are, I'm all, you're all feeling it. But um, yeah, that's what's been, that's what went on yesterday. Not, a, not, a, not an awesome day. I got through all the calls. Everything's fine, but it was just stressful, 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 stressful. Um, all right. So if you are thinking about running crowdfunding, I've got a couple suggestions for you. Number one, go to woodshed.agency right now. Click on the blog section. Click on the podcast. Click on the community. Click on the 30-minute review show. There's all kinds of resources for you so that you do not go out there. If Seriously, if you run a campaign and you don't do your research, it's on you. I'm telling you where you got to go, right? There's all kinds of stuff there. It's all free. You can literally deep dive into how to be successful. I, 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 I mean, every Tuesday we put out a blog. Um, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, we have the 30 minute review show that streams live. And then I have a, uh, I have the, um, a version of it on YouTube. You can watch 
uh, Mondays and Thursdays, the podcast episodes comes out where we talk to project creators who are literally, they're telling you what they did to be successful. I mean, come on, guys. You guys got to gotta, gotta give it up. There, there's, there's a lot there, right? So, yeah. And if you are a fan of this, make sure you're leaving a review. And if you're not a subscriber, hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, YouTube, wherever it is. I, I don't care where you're listening to it. Just hit that subscribe button. Make sure you share with a friend, leave a review, all that sort of stuff. Helps us out immensely. But, um, okay, so with all that said, I got to, I mean, literally, strap in, wait till you guys hear this conversation with Brian. Um, we didn't really focus specifically on one campaign because he's run so many of them. So this conversation is definitely just about crowdfunding in general. And and for me, as you, if you guys are regular listeners, you know, comic books and games, I don't know a lot about them. So I'm always sort of a... Uh, uh, I, I got a lot of fresh ears, and I think Brian really appreciated that because I, I wasn't asking sort of stock comic book questions. I don't have them. I'm, I'm interested as to how you got to this point, what you're doing to be successful, that sort of stuff. So, um, so again, if you guys are into comic books, please go check out Brian right now. Coffin Comics. Google that. Go to the show notes. I'm going to have links in there. Go check out their Kickstarters. Lots of stuff to deep dive into, and and mind you, he's very successful every time. Every time. So. <laughs> Um, all right, everybody, here's my conversation with Brian. All right, Brian, the red light's on, so it's go time. This is when we have to make magic. So uh, hopefully you're ready. Let's make that magic happen, Jeff. Uh, awesome, awesome. Well, I, I asked all my, uh, my guests this. Uh, what did you have for breakfast this morning? This morning I had what I have six days a week, and that would be a protein shake with granola and fruit. I'm okay. super methodical. When I was a kid, I read that Einstein always wore the same clothes, so we never had to worry and so I really yep. have adopted that in a lot of areas of my life, including breakfast. <laughs> okay. Same thing every morning. All right. I yeah. get it. That's the cool. The treat is Saturday and then Sunday's big breakfast day. Gotcha. <laughs> That's a plan. I, I'm, uh, I'm close to that. Um, I, uh, I have the same thing pretty much. A couple eggs, mm-hmm. toast. Nice. Or you just move on my day. It's nice and simple. The best. When I was a kid going to school at NYU, we'd go out for breakfast in the diners. It'd be like two over with rye. Good times. Simple. Yeah, very nice. Very Simple. Nice. Well, well, cool. Well, we'll move on to why we're talking instead of breakfast foods. Okay. Um, you know, this is <laughs> the breakfast podcast. Yeah, this is breakfast breakfast food. Um, well, cool. Why don't you introduce yourself um, and tell my listeners uh, who you are and, and what you raised money for over on Kickstarter. So my name is Brian Polito. I am a comic book publisher with over 28 years in the game. And about five and a half years ago, I launched my first crowdfunding comic book Kickstarter. And since then, we've actually launched 20. And two days ago, I launched yet another one. So we do one comic book-based Kickstarter every quarter without fail. So yeah, we just, uh, so what I do is largely comic book projects. And we just reach people all around the globe that way. And it's been incredible. That's cool. Now, for somebody like myself, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be frank with you. I don't know anything about comic books. And that was my <laughs> attraction to talking to you because yeah. we have an insular world. So, 
Yep. What would you like to know about comics these days? Yeah. So I, I don't know anything. So a lot of these questions, I, I always, you know, um, I like to have these conversations too because I, I don't know. I, I'm, right. just, I'm not in this world. Um, I've got a, a young son now. He's starting and daughter, and they're starting to navigate into this a little bit. And uh, you know, I'm a fish out of water for a lot of this stuff. Um, so. I, you know, if my questions come out of left field where you're like, what are you asking? Just know that I really don't know anything. No, that's cool. So, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess let's first talk about like, you know, the campaign that we're talking about right now that just finished up. I think this one ended in May and uh, in May. Um, so like, what was this campaign about? And is this part of a series or is this part of a, a project? So what was the last campaign that just finished up? Well, actually, so we just launched a camp actually uh, two days ago and it's called La Muerta Retaliation. And this is the sixth chapter in the first overriding story arc of our character, La Muerta. So La Muerta is what we call a blood-soaked maxi-noir thriller. And it's a revenge-driven tale about a woman named Maria Diaz, a returning soldier from Afghanistan, who comes home to find her family wiped out by an occult-leaning crime cartel. Now, she goes to all the normal places to try to get some justice and can find none. Aided by the mysterious Fastino, she decides to do the impossible and to dismantle this crime cartel. So we've actually been telling Maria Diaz's story since about 2015. We do Hmm. one 48-page chapter per year. We launch it in May. And my influence and excitement about this particular milieu came when I went to a a Mexican Day of the Dead procession and learned a little bit about that culture. It was my initial entree. So uh, this story is steeped in Mexican-American Chicano culture, and it's been received very well. And this new one just kicked off two days ago, and I think we're just under 70,000 bucks, which is incredible. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, that's that's, that's so great. So what is the process that I guess in terms of the storytelling, is it something that in 2015 you had the whole arch of the story, the whole thing put together and then you just have been slicing and dicing or does it keep growing year after year, project after project? Does it just keep kind of going? Well, one of the, thank you for asking. One of the fun processes about making comics and I, that I adore about it is no matter what comic it is and no matter what age group, And the great news is they're comic books for people for every age group, every interest, whether it's children, et cetera. Our books tend to be R-rated action film type stories. And for me, what's neat is usually at the end of every story, there's a cliffhanger. Hmm. So the question that we as comic book people always ask ourselves is what's next? What's next? What's next? I mean, we've been reading, I've been reading the stories of Captain America since July of 1974. His story has never concluded, right? It's always what's next. So, but to specifically ask, answer you, initially, I came up with the, the initial origin of the character, which covered about 96 pages, and then began the next question. Well, what next? And what next? Right, and right. what next? And this particular chapter, meaning it's the sixth, I would say it's sort of the third act of the first major arc. And we're actually seeing a showdown between um, our main character, uh, Maria Diaz, and her arch enemy, Mama Z, who is the the female lead of a crime cartel that completely believes the supernatural blesses her when she does evil deeds. So this story is a love letter to the films Robert Rodriguez and Luke Mm -hmm. Besson, to get nerdy. 
The mm -hmm. filmmaker Luc Besson has these wonderful action films that seem to have like a little extra going on philosophically. He made the movie The Professional, Lucy, mm -hmm. recently he made Anna. So there's some neat things going on there. He his What he's after is a bit of a touchstone. So although our story is a revenge story, it really is a rumination on what is the cost to your soul if you choose to pursue mm -hmm. revenge. So it's not just an expendables type Revenge story right. where it's like, okay, the button's turned on and now we're going to go execute the bad guys. It's more like, what's the cost of what I'm trying to do here? That's interesting. Is And is, in, in terms of all comic books, has that always been the arch? I mean, it almost has like the uh, like the soap opera thing, right? Like it's how soap operas go on forever, right? It's just, there's yeah. always something in there. There's always a cliff. It's, it's just, you know, like what is, does comic books come first or like that storytelling kind of always just existed? I think so. there's something about it. So you probably have talked about or heard of Joseph Campbell's hero's myth. And what that, what he postulates in that great book is that even separated by geography, all of us have a commonality in storytelling. So a person in North America or, or uh, Eskimo in the Antarctic, there will be a commonality to natives who've never even met people in South America, part of the human experience. So I think Regardless of the trappings of the genre, whether it's heroic fiction, crime fiction, uh, horror, there really is someone who's journeying, initially resisting that, that journey, and then when they enact it, they're either they're learning something, their life is changing. So this is a way of saying that what is common in comics is that they do keep going. Right. And, yeah. And... Are there, like, like in the business model of that, obviously that seems like a good business model, but yeah. is there also a, a tiring factor to people where they're just like, come on, like, what are you doing? You know, come on, this is, doesn't make sense. I think, I mean, I can only speak for myself also as a comic book reader and collector. Yeah. I really can't get enough of the stories that I like. And it's mm -hmm. interesting with comic books because I look at comics and let's say, let's take the Marvel or DC heroes that people all know and grew up with, right. Superman, Batman. I think on average, people do come in and out of that hobby three to four years. They move on, life changes. Right. But there are lunatics like myself who literally have read a character story upwards of 40, 50 years. Right. I think that's what makes it's one of the many things that make comics kind of unique because ultimately, most TV shows or even motion picture series, they do come to a conclusion. I right. do think there's the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done a great job of telling serial stories to kind of a breakthrough and I would also assert maybe the James Bond series of stories every two, three, four yeah. years. So I think that when a person identifies and likes the feeling they get from a given story or a character, they like seeing them again and again. Like for another right. example would be, you know, I'm always up for another mission impossible film. It's like, okay, a couple of years <laughs> went by. Yeah, sure. Let's see what Ethan hunts up to now. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, you know, I noticed on your page that you've got a, a pretty substantial team working on this. Yeah. What, is it that, like, you know, when you're starting to put together, uh, I guess, a new story or a new book, new yes. chapter, what are you doing? Like, what, what is your role for, for the team? Well, specifically, I'm the publisher of the book. So let's say, depending on the book, I will plot the book and or co-write the book with my co-writer, Mike McLean. I literally will hire the art team, uh, make the contracts. I will guide, from a comic book perspective, I will guide the book 
as the pages come in, I will check them against the script and I will see mm. uh, if we've lost something in translation, if we're getting everything that we're trying to accomplish. And then, so the interiors of the comic book and the comic book story are one element. I also cast and hire the cover artists and cover artists in our industry have a, have a serious provenance. They're like the, the A-list celebrities in the world of comic books. And if I can attract big A-listers to the work, it actually adds a lot of excitement. Additionally, mm-hmm. I'll actually take- and that, I'm sorry, that's just the cover? Like just that, but that's not the artwork inside the- Correct, book. yes. Mm, interesting. Yeah, so and sometimes- that would be all the same people. <laughs> sometimes it is, frequently it's not. Because again, wow. it's, it's almost as if the cover could be a marketing tool. Let's say a popular mm-hmm. artist does a cover, maybe their fan base will kind of come over and give something a try because of it. So to continue, Jeff, the answer to this question is going to take a while. So because <laughs> just because it is what yeah. it is, right? You know, yeah. although yeah. we do have a nice size staff, there's just there's a myriad of pieces. Um, mm-hmm. I'm so happy that I'm not involved with things like making a building or an airplane. I wouldn't know. It would go way <laughs> over my head. But so I'll cast those people during our specifically on the Kickstarter campaigns. I actually designed the campaign with another fellow in house named Nick G. And we take a look at all the mechanisms of not only the tier construction, but how are we going to present the campaign over time? How do we mm-hmm. retain interest? How do we create peak moments? How do we continue to entertain people the entire way? So that's just on that piece. Right. And in the daily sense, I'm the publisher of the comic book company. So I'll actually uh, work with our president, the publisher on things like the budgets. I will work uh, on on. So my core accountability is everything that has to do with customer service, sales, and marketing. Our president, uh, Francisca Polito, actually has everything to do with finance and then product fulfillment. Um, mm-hmm. So we have a, a warehouse where we have an entire staff that work and fulfilling the various Kickstarters and mail order and comic directed market stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's a full day every day, but it, it's yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. It really fills me up. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. So, on the, um, you know, you were men- mentioning like thinking about how all of these Kickstarters also play out over all of these stories. And I'm assuming in that you also have to have the fatigue of like people going like, guys, they just, you know, they just need more money. Like, that, like, is there any sort of fatigue that you're thinking about in that at all when you're laying out multiple? I'm a serial Kickstarter too. I ran like 300 of them for music projects. So That's we awesome. got into this scenario where we're like, oh my God, we've ran so many of them that like people are just think that we're just like, constantly looking for money even though we understood internally it's much more than that but like yeah. do you guys have those conversations internally as well well I, jeff uh, probably i speaking for myself i worry about everything so that does cross <laughs> yeah. my mind i mean fair to yeah. say right I, I always wonder we launch these kickstarters and anyone who knows me they perform really strong in the comic category yet i'm yeah. just a nervous wreck you know i probably i was the kid who was like afraid to play saxophone in front of people so you know during <laughs> school so before i'm just a nervous wreck so i do ruminate over all of it like is there fatigue is there excitement i'm judging that and i think that's the question i ask myself every day mm. um, yeah. you know in, in given our current macro socioeconomic situation how will people <laughs> show up uh, sure. let's be honest and the blessing so far, the non-religious blessing is that things are good. So yeah. um, I do try to keep my eye on that all the time. Uh, but I kind of also feel like, especially now where we are uh, at this time in, in the United States of America, that we, Coffin Comics, we're a ship and we have a plan. 
And we're just going to keep going on that ship. And certainly we're taking a look at all the factors, but right. so far so good and steady as she goes. Yeah. 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 We're, we're kind of in that same boat right now. Just like, all right, well, it's, it's not that bad. Yeah. You know, for like two weeks, we were like, that's it. Shut yeah. it down. Yeah. World's yeah. over, but we're back on top. We're all yeah. right. So exactly. Uh, yeah. That's, no, those first great. couple of weeks when everything was in the shutdown, I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what happens here? Um, so, you know, when do you know, I guess in your process of putting, you're putting together this, this, uh, probably right before, well, I guess, are you doing, where does manufacturing fit in of like, not so much a prototype, but like the final draft of something before you go to Kickstarter or are you pretty much, you're ready to go, then you're going to Kickstarter. Where does it fit that you have like your final version of something? So where's that date, the launch date? On that date, we have to have everything ready to print. So we backward track from there. And, uh, and then we really do wait for the numbers. We'll try to make some estimates and guesses the whole time, but we really wait for close because that informs what all the numbers would be, but everyone's sort of standing by. But jumping back a little bit to this notion of um, perception of what is Kickstarter for. So Mm -hmm. I remember five or six years ago, people would say ostensibly it's just to give people that shot and that a year later, you're going to get the product. But then what we noticed that emerged in comic book culture is that Kickstarter is a culture. So there's people who back all categories, and in our world, in our category, this is just an amazing content delivery system. Yep. So, I mean, in the beginning, I'm sure you could appreciate this, our first year we had four projects coming out quarterly, but we're starting almost penniless. We had put everything mm-hmm. we had into getting them all going, and then they had to fund. One had yep. to work after right. the other. They had to. And yep. it's just, you know, luck of what we call the comic gods that it all did come <laughs> down that way. And to this day, clearly having the funding helps fund the future. And we try to make that very measurable for our fans. In fact, I mean, you know, our fan culture funded our building and our building is super custom to like coffin mm-hmm. comics. You could walk through it. There's a museum. It's amazing. And we open the doors for folks and give tours when we can give tours. But, um, kind of really realize that there's an evolution in Kickstarter and crowdfunding. And part of it is it's a supply chain and people want to be on the other end of it. You know, are mm-hmm. there a few who you know cross their shoulders and say, I can't believe you're using it in this manner. And, and I get it. And I, and I let them have that opinion. And I just keep doing what I got to do. Yeah, it's, I mean, for us, we have, I've been, I think I had like the 20th Kickstarter ever. I mean, literally from like wow. 2010 or so. I mean, that we've ran rad. a ton. <laughs> yeah, we met Perry Chen before he started it. Wow. And we had this idea of like, we wanted to do a Kickstarter. And so cool. or we, we didn't know what it was, right? We just had this idea of how we were going to fund recording studios. Because again, artists didn't have money. And we had this idea of, of just how content would be delivered in the future, right? Um, and so for us watching this progress, and change. I mean, it used to be I would put some, I'd put five or six tweets out and I'd raise 20 grand. That's all I did. And then Facebook ads are now a play and algorithms start changing. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh. And now it's, you really got to have, for frankly, your shit together before you launch. Big like time. there just isn't any more of this, like, I put up a website, I thought money would come <laughs> in. <laughs> it's not that anymore. It's, you got your stuff together. Flat oh, out. There, there is no doubt. Like we have, we have room. We have a war plan, literally. So it's it's every day of the campaign, exactly what we're doing, what time of day. Of course, we're using paid social. And we have all kinds of yep. layers and strategies, and 
and that kind of just kind of works towards my personality anyway. I'm, I'm into all that kind of stuff, but yeah, it's, it's no joke as you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you, you know, and, and I think it's actually a good evolution because you really should have your stuff together before you go out and asking you, you might should have your social media in order and your emails and it doesn't have to be perfect, but you probably should have it. You know, <laughs> well, I think it's, so, you know, it's yeah. interesting because I was speaking to a younger group of uh, people who are want a Kickstarter in the comic book space. And I said, look, how we're, we come from two places. One is what can, what do we authentically provide for people? And for our company, it's really fun and excitement in the domain of rock and roll inspired supernatural comics. Life mission. Right. That's it. Yeah. Oh, sorry. And then uh, <laughs> number two, it'd be trust. So everything yep. operates underneath that. It's so when I start thinking, if I can, can I be considered trustworthy? Uh, and for me to do that, I have to backward plan every single solitary step to be my promise. And, yep. you know, in our defense, we've done what 20 Kickstarters and 19 out of 20 were on time. One, the printer refused to print content. We had a sex scene they didn't like. It was to us, it wasn't much, but to them, it was something anyway. And so uh, it, it caused us to have to go to another printer, but we were instantaneously transparent. And then of course yep. our fans were like, hell yeah, do that. So, <laughs> right. So generally I think trust in, you know, being your word is the, is the game. Cause that's how I, I mean, as a, my own, as a customer and pr- person who likes to buy and get cool stuff, I just want to know that I'm coming working with ethical people. I kind of do what they yep. say. Yeah. And, and, but all of this is that underlying as to why the Kickstarter community is what it is because if you don't have, you know, if I bought and I support, I'm in. But if you mess Knives up, out. <laughs> yeah, I'm not into you anymore. I know I I ordered a couple of wireless headphones that never showed up. Whoa. Yeah, we all <laughs> have those updates. stories, man. Yeah, they exist. Yep. Yeah, I've had a couple they exist, of those they too. Exist. Yeah, we have. Oh, but yeah. yeah, so so let's go back a little bit to like, I, I love like process and just kind of how you guys get to where you guys, how, yeah, how it gets to that, that sort of, that sort of those steps that are involved. When do you know that you have? have something and do you ever have to like you know i don't like what we got here the art didn't meet the whatever the bar we should say that so we were doing uh, let's see the ninth chapter of her character lady death and this means this is a story that brought her to earth she'd actually been spending the last two years in hell so (laughs) we actually got through the entire story and we were done and we were literally about to assign it to the artist and we just had this had sort of a series of epiphanies and realized okay (laughs) this isn't this is going to steer us in a certain direction. So we actually scrapped it and rewrote from scratch. Mm. Like we just went, wow. Chuck. Um, that's the only time that's occurred. And usually we're working pretty far in advance, Jeff. So as an example, um, I know that we have literally in pre-production um, the next La Muerta chapter. So that's for May of 2021. Mm. We're writing our character Lady Death for February of 2021, but we have her plotted roughly with enough goalposts yep. for about the next three years. Wow. So, wow, yeah, and it, you know, the luck of the Irish is that we haven't had to change course. And sometimes some of the things that I'm trying, this character is actually a fantasy-driven character, the character Lady Death, but I am having fun and I'm sort of tapping into my inner 70s comic book nerddom in kind of veering the character into another genre, which we would call um, horror superhero. Got characters mm. like Ghost Rider. I know I'm starting to get nerdy oh. now, but Ghost Rider, Son of Satan, Blade, these characters from Marvel's 70s. Yeah. And as, uh, 
coming out of fantasy into that world, you know, sort of tentative of people going to accept it. But story-wise, I was all in for years. And if this thing didn't work, I'm toast. But thankfully, people are going for the ride so far. So, yeah, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, we've had the process in manufacturing. We kind of do as much testing as we can uh, so that we're debugged. But again, we had that content issue last fall where we're literally on the press. And Critter said, if you're willing to change content will print it and i said yeah that's not what we're companies about so we respectfully declined but that put us back to zero um, wow we recovered and we did get it out and people were happy that's good yeah that's that's an interesting stance that the printer took i don't usually hear that from printers they, uh... yeah it's true uh, and very interesting so yeah. I, I in retrospect i get it i didn't even begrudge them candidly because you know this is you know here we are scrappy independent outlaw comic book right. publisher but still this was like a $200 million printing plan. Everyone's like, you know, like mm. shirt and tie and their clients are the captains of industry. So I get, okay. They actually had an employee who uh, didn't like it and they were actually afraid of their exposure. So oh wow, I agree that that's unusual, but I didn't uh, begrudge them just kind of knowing yeah. their targets, you know, they're all the casinos out here, their clients. So it's like, okay, oh, okay. Yeah, they don't yeah, need yeah, to get yeah. like, beaten up because of like one scrappy comic book. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's funny. Now, do you, I mean, when you got to the scale that you guys have gotten to, um, have, like are other opportunities starting to come your way in terms of like, how, how do these things get into the movies at some point yeah. or the, what, what, you know, how do they grow and how do you manage those types of conversations? So yes, actually. So we've actually had a producing partner for our company for several years. And I have to be vague about this, which I yeah, wish, yeah, I, yeah, that's, I, yeah. wish I, I wish yeah. I couldn't be vague, but, um, yeah. Our, our character, La Muerta, um, things are occurring with that character at a fairly <laughs> rapid speed in other media, let's say. Cool. And then our character, Lady Death, has actually been kind of a tough one. So Lady Death was an animated feature film that came out in about 2006. There was a giant trend called anime. And so an anime style of that character was made. This was during the, the height of home video. We sold literally <laughs> millions of copies through home video uh, at that time. And since then, we've actually have worked with some some big names in, quote unquote, developing that character for presentation. Mm -hmm. So uh, about two years ago, we went out with a bunch of Emmy Award winners, this, that and the other. I don't think the take really uh, hooked producers. And I'm being super honest. So we actually went back into formulation and into next year, we're going to go, quote unquote, back out because we've actually Mm -hmm. reformulated. The character has been in print, that character, Lady Death, has been in print for so long. One of the challenges is like, well, where do you start? And her start is actually in medieval times. And frequently producers don't respond well to period, fantasy period pieces because of oh. expense. So gotcha. uh, it's a longer story. And it's, it's an interesting story, like Hollywood horror stories. But we've always been matriculating somewhere in that space with, you know, options and development games and stuff. And right, right. La Muerte is actually, because she's so... So meat and potatoes is like much further along and, and great things are happening. I'm just not at liberty yeah. to discuss. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I get, I, I guess what, what I was trying to get to is um, kind of knowing um, as a company, when to stay in your lane or when to push and right. Cause I see a lot of startup people, a lot of the people I talk to, they're just, they, you know, they want to do it all. Yes. And then they, then they don't make a great, for your example, a bad, they make bad comic books cause now they're doing 25 other things. So like, yes. I guess as you, it seems like that's probably in your camp. How are you making sure that you're producing what you want to produce 
at a high level every time? That's you know? a great question. I mean, for sure, you could kind of, when you get a certain a level of success, you could kind of get drunk and think that you could do everything. Yeah. But this is what I like to tell people because even our fans will say, can you please make this? Can you please make that? And this is what we say. This is what we do. We take paper, we put ink on it, we either staple it or glue it. That's our <laughs> core competency. <laughs> so we kind of stick to the core competency. And yeah. through the years, we have had sub-projects where we've worked in making statues and action figures. And we do have some background. Like in another lifetime, Jeff, I actually went to NYU Film. I worked mm-hmm. as an assistant director in commercials and videos. So I know a little bit about yeah. the actual manufacturing element of that world and the development mm-hmm. ele- element of that world is the relatively newer one. So kind of know enough to um, wade in, but not get in the way and realize gotcha. that a lot of that stuff is team building. So we yeah. frequently just stay in our lane because we noticed that, I mean, I've been in the game for a while, so I noticed I have better trajectory and success when I stay in my core competency. But when I start getting a little goofy, um, things get weirder. I mean, the one thing that we have done in terms of uh, expansion is we actually fulfill other project creators Kickstarter in Mm. in the comic book space. Since we oh, that's cool. You know, we do that, and since we do that, like Morning Noon and I have an entire staff. We're always improving the process. We do that with about four or five other creators who are really producing, you know, nice hundred thousand dollar plus uh, Kickstarters on uh, for comics, and looking to do more in that. So we have a lot of enthusiasm oh, cool. for that because we're pretty good at it. Yeah, that's really great. You know, you mentioned something just a minute ago about just our team building and how important it is for these other things. You know, what did you? When you're putting together this core team that you that we talked about a little bit ago too, what were you looking for? What was like, and again, I think this is so challenging for a lot of startups or entrepreneurs to yep. put together the right people. You know, for you guys, what what were you looking for? What who's the right person for your team? So there's two teams that we work with. So we have the creative teams, and frequently they are there wherever they are in the world. Mm-hmm. And so we're really judging their professional reputation and their social currency. What are they up for? Now, we as a company, our mission statement is to provide fun and excitement in the domain of rock and roll inspired supernatural comics. So everything's got to come down from there. So in terms of the actual teams that we build, in terms of our actual staff, above all, we're interested in attitude. So we like people that want to be hardworking. You know, I don't expect people to work, you know, all hours of the day, but when they're working, they're rocking it out. We like to know that people generally have a positive mental attitude, as corny as that sounds, because the company that we're projecting out to be, we need to be that company with each other. So sure. we have to be, you know, we, project, we have to be respectful. We have to uh, be fun with each other. And it's not mm-hmm. always easy, obviously, but so the main components are good mental attitude, willingness to work and uh, willing to evolve, as abstract as that sounds. So I think that um, as opposed to like hiring, I don't know, here's like an executive from this other company, I'm going to hire that person out, and this is going to be an A-type personality who may or may not conform to the mission. We wouldn't do that way. So we're more homegrown, let us say. Right, right. And That makes sense. And again, as corny as it sounds, since we are a rock and roll-inspired supernatural comic book company, People got to be able to rock and roll. They really do. <laughs> like you don't have to love rock and roll, but you've got to be willing to rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's cool. You know, 
let's flip, flip over to a little bit more just Kickstarter centric. So sure. let's go back to those early days, um, yeah. which is where a lot of my listeners are. I mean, they're in the early days of this. Yes. You know, what are what are advice or what would you tell somebody? You know, on that on that first campaign. You know, I, I prepare mean, no, for this. Yeah, prepare to be exhausted. <laughs> so uh, it's the first campaign. So so much of it was new for us. Even as we launched our campaign, no matter how much we researched, we didn't fundamentally realize that on Kickstarter, we would really only choose one reward. We thought it was a store and you could buy 30, yeah. get 30 things. So we had to learn and work around and manage and train on overpledging add-ons. Yeah. But I would say too, like the thing that um, Kickstarter and crowdfunding requires that people really get gobsmacked about is the amount of communication. So someone in your company, I believe, has to be the communicator, the customer service person. And maybe it was just dumb luck. But when our company began, there first was myself. You know, I still had a little mail order business. But the first person I hired, their title was customer service manager. And it really has borne out for us. So either even to this day, any number of us, there might be up to four people who will communicate out on a kick you know as much as we'd like everybody to communicate through messengers through the messenger they're going to communicate through updates or up or comments within the updates so we do kind of have not script scripts what we call evergreen communication just so it's very consistent i think boy that first campaign be ready to be pretty exhausted (laughs) to expect the unexpected and to have a lot Depending on your category, for example, in the world of games, the amount of communication can be in the thousands, the, yep. the queries, the questions. And what I would say, too, is, okay, so one, be ready to be exhausted. Two, be ready to really communicate a lot. But number three, be ready for the rest of your life to be eternally patient because mm-hmm. you are going to answer the same question for the rest of your life and you need to show excitement, yeah. enthusiasm. You want to yeah. invite that person in. They cannot be to blame if you've been doing 20 Kickstarters over five years and they just arrived and they have all the basic questions. You kind of got to like our attitude is, <laughs> and this is actually a mantra. It's up in the office. It's like a, people arrive when they arrive and we welcome them. Yep. They're just on a different, people could be in different parts of the chain. And the way I would just illustrate this for your listeners who are starting out, it'll illustrate it by this story. So we're doing a 30-day campaign. And during that 30-day campaign, I am doing a horrible marketing technique called carpet bombing. <laughs> so it's spam, but it's like right below it. And I am I'm communicating on every platform I can, anyone who will listen. And I'm trying to glove the message. But really, I'm saying, back my campaign, get my right. stuff. And I'm doing everything in my power to make it sound different. So, But I'm doing like 17 messages a day. No shame in my game. So Facebook, Twitter, Insta, updates, mailing list, blah, 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 blah. So it's the 29th day of the campaign. On my Facebook wall, some guy comes out of the woodwork and he says, hey, Polito, when are you going to get off your ass and do something new? (laughs) And it was the illustration. It was my opportunity to either say, hey, dude, don't you know? (laughs) Or instead what I said, hey, man, just so happens that I'm doing this. You want to come along for the ride? And that's a thing I think folks have to be very, very patient with. And in comic books, there's a lot of repetition. And Mm -hmm. 
really when we interview people to be part of staff early on, we just, we almost test them. It's like, how are you with repetition? Because mm. some stuff is so repetitive. If you, you know, kind of like if you have an, um, if it's an obstacle, get out now. Cause right. some like these types of communications, et cetera. So the biggies, um, prepare to be exhausted, be ready to have someone to communicate to customer service and three, just always welcome people wherever they are, whenever they are, no matter what, because it's new to them. I know it's not new to you. Like your campaign is only right. to you by day 29, <laughs> but people just arrive when they arrive and just get ready to welcome to the party. Yeah, I think that's a big one. I, I, we, we try to stress all the time to people around, um, you know, Yes, I understand that you put it on Facebook 20 times, but they weren't on Facebook the 20 times that you decided to post it because they were on the 21st time and they missed it. Yes. So like, yeah, it's it's more, it's like a hundred times more than you think in your mind. Like I posted yesterday. Yeah. Right. Cool. Right. What Good else? You. <laughs> Great. Yeah. What's next? Yeah. What I love about that too is like Kickstarter, crowdfunding business. It just teaches you ultimate humility. You know, because it's just like, all right, big boy, put your big boy pants on and communicate again. And it's yeah, like just because you said it, people didn't pick up on it. Right. right. <laughs> I'm sorry that they weren't, you know, we're, we're not even watching TV at like the eight o'clock time anymore. But your message was so important. Right. You know, it's just like, come on. Dude. Right. Yeah. Are, are, are there like metrics that you look for that tell you that you're ready to launch? I know you may be a little bit different, but is there something that you're looking for around? Like, listen, we, we know we've got the excitement. We know we've got. Uh, influencer or whatever like we know we have nothing to can well i guess you know we're looking we kind of use our crowdfunding as a publishing schedule and we're letting people know even way in advance up to a year in advance Mm. something's coming in august something's coming in october Mm. and then i just start and this is kind of fun for me i start like feeding little information and here it comes only 30 days 14 days seven days nine days and like a little more information each time and we don't over communicate on the campaign updates. We only go to the previous uh, one. So what I mean by that is, let's say I'm doing a new La Muerta storyline. I'll communicate on our last ever campaign and use that as opposed to like communicating on 20. That way gotcha. I'm not spamming people and I'm kind of hedging that we're uh, folks are more tuned in there. Mm-hmm. And, and, this, and certainly we are communicating on social and we're communicating through our, like our voluminous mailing list as well. Right. But I guess I'm sort of counting on every time that I'm building up like a peak marketing moment. And I really, really, really want to create that hockey puck effect for that first 24 hours. I'm trying yeah. to create a peak moment where we get as many backers as humanly possible. Because I think, as you probably know, if I could achieve VEX in a 24-hour period, it's very likely, statistically speaking, that it's going to take another 29 days to raise that exact same amount. Yeah. And, and that's counting on us still doing a lot. Darren. Right. So right. I'm, I'm yeah. all about the puck, hockey puck effect and that peak marketing moment. And we, you know, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, no, that, go we put a lot behind that too. We put like parties and, you know, pre what's going on here. We straight up, we rent movie studios, yeah. dress <laughs> it, invite 300 people, no joke. And, you know, carry on like fools, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's fun. It's really really cool. That's really cool. Really, really cool. What, you know, over this period of time of running these campaigns, has there been something that stuck out as like something that you just had no idea about? Like countries that are supporting you or, 
I don't even know, price points. I don't know. It's just something that's like, man, I did not, ex- there's no way we would, could have ever expected this. I mean, a, uh, you know, in our first year, our first Lady Death campaign, and Lady Death was a character, she had some provenance. You know, I've been uh, telling her story since about 1994. But even then, a $76,000 campaign fundamentally for a comic book was a knockout. But we just actually completed a Lady Death campaign in uh, March, and that was $347,000. So yeah. what's kind of knocking me out is the amount of people who are coming to the party this many years into the game. I mean, I'm super gratified by that. As far as unique places where our stuff gets to, this is doesn't actually answer your question, but I just got to tell the story. So <laughs> yeah. I put it out there about 18 months ago where it's like we've literally shipped to every continent except the South Pole. <laughs> Unbeknownst to me, uh, a person who's an artistic contributor to us actually got a bunch of books to the South Pole, had a scientist get it right down to the peak, write the latitude and longitude to it, film it, et cetera, et cetera, and then gave us such a lovely surprise in March that we wow. actually did get to the South Pole. So it's great. It was great to happen. And then the next thing I said was like, okay, we got to get to outer space. <laughs> so that's the next one we're working on we could miniaturize yeah, I mean, remember there i think that in nasa they have this program where they miniaturized a bible and got a hundred of them out in space so it's like maybe i can miniaturize on microfiche a comic and yeah, hitch a ride, call up a yeah. tesla what's it gonna take to hop on board <laughs> yeah that's sweet so who who are your t- uh, let's say do you have who's your two big, two or three influencers? Like who are your main guys that got you into this, make what you just love, like whatever they put out, you just, I'm into it. Wow. I mean, uh, so as a comic book fan in our world, there's a man, his name is Jack Kirby and his nickname is the King. Hmm. And he was this little guy and in from the forties all the way to the early nineties, his out creative output was mind-boggling thousands and thousands tens of thousands of pages in every genre and imagine through the decades there were different genres that were popular in comics in the 40s it was war comics and superheroes in the 50s it was horror and believe it or not romance and war but kirby had such an explosive imagination he gave rise to so many characters in pop culture there's I could name some of them would be kind of geeky, but I mean, there he is as co-creator of the Fantastic Four. He had a hand in the design of Spider-Man. So on the one hand, we frequently hear about Stan Lee, and Stan Lee certainly deserves his place. Among comics professionals, we all kind of know the guy who really designed it all, and it was Kirby. So mm. Jack Kirby would be my number one influencer. And it may not be super direct. It was his explosive and wild imagination. Um, right here as I sit next to you, I'm in my office and within a hand's reach are about 50 Jack Kirby books. And it's sort of like in a, in a moment of terror or, or I don't know, it, it's the emergency go-to. It's like Kirby right <laughs> nearby. Kirby's yeah. nearby in case, just whatever. I got to cool my head off. Yeah. So Kirby's That's the great. big dude. Yeah. For me. That's cool. Um, so w- where does 
Art Crumb, right? That's where did he? Sure. Is that all artwork? Um, well, Art or Crumb was actually uh, Art Crumb was a writer and an artist, and he was mm-hmm. known and he was part of a community called Underground Comics. Okay, but he as a creator actually wound up being completely transcendent. And if one is lucky enough to own original art from Crumb, we're talking about like good seminal pieces from his work could be fifty, a hundred thousand dollars now. Yeah, yeah. So, Again, comics are made for all sorts of ages and categories. So Art Crumb and the underground comic makers of the 70s were kind of for the hippie uh, tuned out culture of that time. Yep. But if you were to go into a comic shop or look around the world, there's comics that are uh, directed for a young adult, literally for children, for adolescents, and then frequently like our target. Our target is college age and above. So, and then if you look comics and comic storytelling globally if you were to go to asia there is literally a comic book for any interest there's comic books about cooking there's comic books that are targeted towards like grandmas and grandpas and they're really used to reading that stuff it's just so embedded in their culture so yeah i mean if you look deep it's there's something for everyone Hmm, that's crazy yeah i asked about art because i worked on the uh cream uh, magazine documentary. Oh, super uh, cool. And, and, Dude, that's great. Yeah, oh, so that's, I love creating yeah. as a kid, love reading it. Yeah. 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 We, we, uh, and then my, my video team was principal photography on the doc. That's so awesome. We shot. Yeah. So we got to interview. Boy, howdy. All, oh yeah. Boy, howdy. Yeah. We got to record almost everybody. It was sweet. Wow. Alice Cooper at wow. a Fort Wayne hotel, uh, or we're at a hotel in Fort Wayne in like the cheapest hotel you can imagine. <laughs> Cause that's what he gets. And <laughs> there's Alice Cooper. <laughs> It cool. doesn't line up, yeah. you know, it's so weird. Um, but very cool. Very cool. Well, uh, I've been ending my, my episodes with sort of a lightning round, um, okay. not associated with, uh, crowdfunding and okay. basically just because we're all locked inside. So, um, a yeah. couple questions. So, uh, what what's the last thing you watched either on Netflix or Hulu or some streaming thing? What, what was the last I was, thing you watched? On Shudder, I watched, uh, a comedy called one cut of the dead. And it's about a group of amateur filmmakers who try to make a zombie story in one shot. And I totally recommend it. You don't have to like zombie movies. It's a comedy. It runs around 90 minutes and it was just super funny. I highly recommend it to anyone. That's cool. Is that a movie or is it like a, or was a show? Yeah. So it's a movie. It runs runs 90 minutes, but ostensibly as you're watching it, the first 45 minutes is them making the one shot. As you're watching it, a lot of things come up. I don't want to, I would like to be vague, but in the yeah. next 45 minutes goes behind and shows everything that went into what you saw in the first 45 oh, that's minutes. Cool. And it's a who. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that would be, I will have to put that on the list. <laughs> One shot of the dead. Really funny. All right. Yeah, I'll check that out. I'll check that out. How about, um, are there any, uh, and obviously I know you listen to my podcast every day, yep. every episode. You're a big follower. Any other podcasts you listen to? I must admit, I, I am totally ignorant. I'm being honest with you. I'm ignorant of it's podcasts. So okay. it's a relatively new form for me. Okay, gotcha. How about, um, how about books? You read anything right now? Yeah, so I'm, so in the, I just finished an anthology called Knights of the Living Dead. And this was a who's who of authors who have, written zombie fiction and what the the premise is it takes place in the exact same time frame as the movie night of the living dead oh okay so that's one thing and i'm jeff i'm always reading like 50 things so the next thing <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is just what it is in the world of comic books i've really fallen in love with this particular writer 
uh, named, uh, I think his name is Jeff uh, Lumiere, I think is his last name. <laughs> and he wrote a story for the company Vertigo called Sweet Tooth. And I can't recommend it enough. I think it was picked up by Netflix for a series. And the oh, premise cool. is simple. It's sometime after a global pandemic, topical, where it's probably 99% of the people are gone. And there are these animal children. They're born as hybrids, human, human, animal. And it's the story of this one particular kid named Gus. And he's lured out of his very sheltered life with some candy bars, hence the sweet tooth. And it's the story of the origin of this horrible pandemic and this really innocent child. So uh, amid horrific violence and intensity, it's ultimately a story of friendship. And this guy, for for me, a person who's read comics his whole life, like this guy, Jeff Lumiere, he's knocking me out. So Sweet Tooth has been really rad. That's very, very cool. And my last one is, are there you know, websites that you kind of frequent to or or (laughs) places to go that for you to like find info on marketing or just like, Hey, I want to be up to date on stuff. Like I, I, what's going on? What's the latest trends or something like that? Well, that's, that's a really good question. You know, I am so all over the place on that, that like nothing's off the limits and nothing comes to the top of my head, but it's kind of nothing's off limits. What I will say this is this though, to that topic, Regardless of what's been new, what I find that really works in the domain of marketing and promotion is really some of just the standard, good, classic stuff. So right behind me, you can't see it. Maybe you can. I have a whole row and it's just marketing, but it's all the old school stuff. And so this is in a a nutshell, it occurs to me that having a solid up-to-date mailing list is important. Yeah. That that you're providing up-to-date, up-to-the-moment, fun or on-brand content all the time. And, and then another element of marketing and promotion, I would say, is, you know, just be your word and be your promise. Like those three mm-hmm. things, I feel as if they've carried us. Now, us as a company, we haven't had that amazing moment where, I don't know, uh, Steven Spielberg wore a Lady Death t-shirt. Like we haven't had that influencer moment yet the fallback of just that simple, normal stuff, like build your mailing list, provide content all the time is really, I'd probably say it's probably the secret to our success. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Brian, where should I send people or where should people go to kind of dive into your world, absorb if it's their first time, right? Let's just say that they're, they're, this is the first time hearing about it. Where should they go? Well, if anything that I've said has piqued your interest, may I encourage you and cordially invite you to (laughs) coffincomics.com. If you go there, that'll be the gateway to all a myriad of all kinds of fun and tantalizing things that will thrill you. That's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, Brian, I appreciate taking time out of your day. I know you're a busy schedule and uh, this was a great conversation. I'm so glad that we could get, uh, get a chance here. to connect and, uh, and, uh, and do a podcast. I think, I, you know, we started this with, uh, you know, making the red light coming on. I think we did it. I think we made a good episode. Right on, man. I'm happy to hear that. It was an absolute pleasure, man. I look forward to uh, doing it once again in the future. Awesome, man. Thanks so much. Peace out, man. Thank you. Bye. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Ooh. Oh, oh, man. I told you guys. I told you. I mean, I pre-warned you. So you guys, I, I hope you guys took my warning. I hope you guys buckled up and really dove into that conversation because you, you, I would, I personally am going to keep coming back to it because there's so much valuable information in there. And I hope you guys are, were able to absorb it, take it all in because... Brian's doing some absolutely amazing things with his comic book uh, company and it was just a great conversation. So Brian, thank you again so much for taking time out of your day. I know you're busy and, um, you know, and, and they're in the middle of another Kickstarter right now. So 
Whew, so much, so much, so much. So, um, all right, the song we're listening to is a song called Warm Fire. It's on the Sugar Roses collection, which you can uh, find over on Spotify now uh, from the band The Sugar People, which is me. My band, my band I was in a long time ago. Um, and like I said before, if you guys love what you're listening to, please leave us a review, subscribe, tell your friends, go to our newsletter, go to woodshed.agency. There's all kinds of resources. Go check out all that stuff. Um, and I hope you guys have a great, safe um, weekend. You know, if you guys are out there, um, you know, I know that right now in the world it's, it's an up and down time, right? You know, and I just hope everybody stays safe um, and still gets their voices heard because... Uh, I'm not really sure where we live right now. It's a really odd time, right? Isn't it? It's an odd time. So hopefully this song is all about love, right? Warm fire. It's all about love. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. Talk to Take the pain and just put